You see there the, the title of the message on the screen, and you might be thinking, well, what does that suggest? Does it suggest that we need to travel to these faraway places in order to look for God? Well, I would say no. Instead, we need to look for God in the ordinary places of our own life experience. The subtitle of this message, the title is Experiencing God on the Mountains of the Bible. And the subtitle is When an Ordinary Place Becomes the Place of God's Presence. And I, I want you to see as we look at some of these examples tonight, uh, some experiences and the pattern of these experiences shared by these individuals in the Bible. It was not always in the same place or on the same mountain they experienced God, but in ways they didn't expect that ordinary place wherever they were became for them the place of God's presence, and it became holy ground. So first I want to show you from the Bible, from the book of Exodus, uh, in Mount Horeb. Now that's not the first one in the Bible, but that's where we're going to start. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Babs and I traveled up to the Smoky Mountains. Mo mountains can be majestic places and peaceful places, even lonely places. That's not so much true traveling in a car line behind a group of other tourists, but off the beaten path, a person can easily become uh, isolated, separated from others, and in the quiet of that place, cut off from the hustle and bustle of life, a person at least has the capacity to experience God. So am I saying that you have to go to the mountains to experience God? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying tonight that God himself has a way of getting you alone. And uh, that might be on your back porch or somewhere else where in the quiet of that moment, God himself takes the initiative to reveal himself to you. And that happened to Moses at this mountain in the Bible called Mount Horeb. Uh, if you look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, that one verse, and we'll look at just a couple of others, we're going to look at just a few verses out of all of these, not a whole lot because we can't look at the whole story in any of them, but just to give you an idea of what's happening here, verse 1 of chapter 3 of Exodus, now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side, or some translations say, and I like it when it says this, to the back side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now there's something you need to know here. This was not the mountain of God before that moment. Not in the Bible is it referred to as the mountain of God. It was not the mountain of God to anyone else. There's no record of this before this moment. It was just an ordinary place. It became the mountain of God because of what happened at that moment. From this day forward, this is what this place would be to Moses and to other people in the Bible. But it was so because of what happened to Moses at this ordinary place. We pick up in verse 2. I'll read to verse 6. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, 
why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. What happened? Well, there in that ordinary place, God took the initiative to reveal himself to Moses. Whenever an ordinary place becomes the place of God's presence, that ordinary place becomes holy ground. It doesn't have to be a mountain in the Bible. It can be your back porch or your bedroom or this church. Whenever an ordinary place becomes the place of God's presence, that place becomes holy ground. Well, later in the book of Exodus in chapters 19 and 20, we read the story of how Moses, under God's leadership, brought the children of Israel back to this place. God had directed him to do so. When they arrived at that mountain, the Bible says that that mountain, Mount Horeb now, Mount Horeb smoked, it trembled, there was a great trumpet sound, it was such an awesome experience that all the people, including Moses, trembled, the Bible tells us, and that ordinary place, once again, in that particular moment, became the place of God's presence. God took the initiative to reveal himself to the whole of the children of Israel. That ordinary place, once again, became holy ground. But I would suggest to you that if anybody went to that place after that moment and looked for that place to be anything other than an ordinary place, they would have been disappointed because it was just an ordinary place and it remains an ordinary place to this day. Should you go there and God choose to reveal himself to you, it would be holy ground. But God could make this place just as holy should he choose to reveal himself to us tonight. Now there's one other experience that we need to look at from the Bible about Mount Horeb. It's an experience that belonged to Elijah the prophet. And one of the things that you'll find true about God is he always meets us where we are. He knows where we are. He knows when we're traveling a lonely road and no one seems to care. It was in a moment of deep, deep discouragement that God led uh, Elijah to this same mountain. Elijah desperately needed and experience with God. So that might be where you are tonight. You've come to church with a desperate need to hear from God. And so God led Elijah to Mount Horeb. And what do you think Elijah expected to find when he got there? Well, he expected something mighty because that's the story that we read in Scripture. Moses met God at a burning bush out Mount Moriah. The children of Israel experienced the mountain quaking and burning with fire and a great trumpet sound. So Elijah expected a fire when he got to Mount Horeb. And there was a fire. This is in 2 Kings, uh, 1 Kings 19. The Bible tells us that Elijah expected a fire and there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. Elijah expected an earthquake and there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. 
Elijah must have read the book of Acts. Well, he hadn't read the book of Acts, but in the book of Acts, we might, having read the book of Acts, we might have expected a rushing mighty wind. And Elijah expected a rushing mighty wind. And there was a rushing mighty wind that broke the rocks. But the Bible says God was not in the wind. Listen to how the Bible describes what happened to Elijah. So the Lord said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And God began to deal with him in that moment. Now, some translations call the gentle blowing a still small voice. Still other translations refer to that gentle blowing or that still small voice as a soft quiet whisper that may be the way that God has spoken to you in the past not through an earthquake not through a fire not through a rushing mighty wind but a still small voice so what happened to Elijah the same thing happened to Elijah that happened to Moses the same thing that happened to Elijah that happened to the children of Israel when they came to that mountain in that ordinary place and that's all it was an ordinary place God chose to reveal himself to Elijah. If you'll notice, God didn't reveal himself in the same way to all of these people. He has a way of making his presence known. It'll be the same for you. It will be an ordinary place. And God will reveal himself to you in a method that he chooses. That ordinary place will for a moment become the place of God's presence, and that place in your memory will always be, and in that moment, it'll be holy ground. So that's Mount Horeb. So the second mountain I want to share with you is what happened on Mount Moriah. I don't have to share a lot of this story because you remember most of it by me giving you the name of the mountain itself. And I want to remind you that God is the one who will choose the place and the way, the method, that he'll reveal himself to you. You can't say right now, I'm going to go to Mount Horeb in order to experience God. What you must do is to continue your everyday life. We follow God obediently day by day, and God will take you to some ordinary place of his own choosing. And in that ordinary place, he will reveal himself to you. Now, this is the way it happened For Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, in verse 1, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham? And he said, Here am I. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. I'm just showing you there were a number of mountains in the land of Moriah, but there was only one that would become for Abraham the place of God's presence. Now, there's not a lot of need for me to read more of that story. Maybe you know what happened there in a moment of absolute desperation. And that's often when God reveals himself to us, isn't it? When we don't know where to turn or what to do, 
God revealed himself to Abraham. He proved himself to Abraham. And when Abraham arrived, it was just an ordinary mountain. But when Abraham left, it was the mountain of the Lord. Wait, wait now. I thought that Mount Horeb was the mountain of God or the mountain of the Lord. It was, but for a moment. Look at what Abraham called Mount Moriah. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11 and read through verse 14. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch your hand out against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, or in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Jireh. He gave God a name, the Lord will provide. And Abraham said, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Of course, the mountain of the Lord is simply the place of God's presence. It's the place where he reveals himself. It might be on the flat land of Agricola or some flat land in George County, or it might be up in one of the hills of Greene County, or it might be on your back porch or on my back porch or right here in this sanctuary. Some ordinary place becomes the place of God's presence. So there's going to be a moment in your life when God, at His own initiative, will lead you to the backside of some wilderness in your life. A lonely place, a desperate place, and in that ordinary, lonely, desperate spot, He will reveal Himself to you. That experience will be holy ground for you, and just as it did, as it did for these men, that experience will reshape your life and your future. If you'll study these moments, you'll find that each of them arise out of a time of great need in the lives of God's people. When God revealed himself to Moses, God's people were in bondage and needed to be delivered, and God was calling Moses to be an agent of deliverance. When God revealed himself to Elijah at Mount Horeb, he was in a period of great discouragement and personal uh, loneliness. When uh, God revealed himself to Abraham, he was at a point of personal helplessness. But at each point, God was there to reveal himself to each of these individuals in a unique way. Now, the next mountain that we want to go to is Mount Carmel. This is in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah actually left Mount Carmel a little worn out, and he got discouraged on his journey. He got a little ahead of God. That's the reason he was worn out, but Mount Carmel is the story of, of great revival. The specific need that existed in the lives of God's people in this mountain, in this mountaintop experience was, was their need for revival. They no longer believed in God. They began to serve and worship false gods, and so Elijah invited the false prophets, the prophets of Baal, up to Mount Carmel for a sacrifice some of you will remember the story. Let me read you a few of the verses, beginning in verse 10 of 1 Kings chapter 8, uh, chapter, uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 19. I'm sorry, not verse 10, but verse 19. 
Elijah said, Now send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put a fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And the people said, well, that sounds like a good idea to us. And so that sets the stage for God at his own initiative to reveal himself to his people. Now, I want to tell you, this was an ordinary place, but it was an ordinary place that was defiled by false prophets and sinful people. Nevertheless, God chose to reveal himself in that spot to his people at that moment to initiate revival in their lives. Perhaps you know the story of what happened. The prophets of Baal uh, built their altar and put wood on their altar and killed the oxen and put it on the altar and then prayed to their false god for fire to come down from heaven and no fire ever came. They got so excited and so worked up that the Bible says they began to dance around their altar, ultimately cutting themselves to show their sincerity so that blood would gush out of their bodies so that their God would see how sincere they were and still nothing happened. And when they had given out trying, Elijah said, now give me a turn. And so he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. And he put 12 stones on that altar, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And then he put wood on the altar. And then he put the oxen on the altar. And then he dug a trench around, or had them dig a trench around the altar. And then he said, I want you to pour water on the altar until you drench the sacrifice and the wood and the water fills up the trench around the altar, and they did so. And then Elijah prayed. And when after Elijah prayed, God answered him by sending fire from heaven. God revealed himself to his people at his own initiative. And by revealing himself, he initiated revival in the lives of these people. This ordinary place... This defiled place, this sinful place full of sinful people suddenly became the place of God's presence and became holy ground. One final example I want to share with you, and that's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. I just want to read the story from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 1. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come with power. Six days later, 
Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves and was transfigured before them. Now, I remind you, and I've reminded you before, that this Greek word is the word from which we get our English word metamorphosis. And that's what the word means. It means radical change. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on, on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. Man, they'd been on mountains before, hadn't they, with these special experiences. And they were talking with Jesus. Peter said, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he didn't know what to answer because they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And all at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. Now what happened? Well, in that moment, God took the initiative as he had with Moses, as he had at Mount Horeb with the people, as he had at Mount Horeb with Elijah, as he had at Mount Moriah with Abraham, as he had at Mount Carmel with Elijah and the people of Israel who were out of fellowship with him. Here, just Peter, James, and John. It didn't happen to all the disciples, just Peter, James, and John. He created an opportunity for them to experience him. They experienced God on that mountain. Jesus took them there for that very moment. He revealed the truth about who he was to them and to them alone. That ordinary place became the place of God's presence. There they heard God's voice, and Peter would later refer to this place as the holy mountain. Listen to what Peter said, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Peter said, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And Peter said, And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. We're not really sure which mountain that is, by the way, the Mount of Transfiguration. There's some speculation about which one it might be. But I guess so nobody can go there and say, this is holy ground and holier than any other place in the Bible. Peter says it's a holy mountain. And certainly it was a holy experience for them. Now I want to ask you, where might God choose to take the initiative to reveal himself to you? Well, I don't know. And you don't know. It'll be the place of his choosing and it'll be at the moment of his choosing. It'll be an ordinary place. In fact, it might be some place as ordinary as this sanctuary when suddenly God speaks to you and that ordinary place becomes holy ground to you it doesn't have to be just like what has happened to anyone else in all of scripture but you see that it has happened over and over throughout the bible i don't know what your burning bush will be i don't know what will be your trumpet sound or the soft quiet whisper of god's voice it may be that you hear the thunder of God's voice as did Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration or experience God when the fires of revival fall. So as we asked earlier, do you need to travel to these faraway places 
and look for God. You know, me, some people ask me from time to time, Brother Eddie, have you ever been to the Holy Land? I don't really have a desire to go. You know, I, I mean, I could go. That would be great. But I'm walking with the Lord here. The Lord walks with us. He's not over there in the Holy Land waiting for me to come. Because what is, didn't Jesus tell us, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The problem is that sometimes he just needs to open our eyes to his presence. And so prayerfully the day will come when God, in some way you won't expect, will make some ordinary place the place of his presence. He will reveal himself to you and you will find that place to be holy ground. Let's pray.